Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello church, welcome once again to our online platform. It's always a blessing to be able to be around the Word of God and to reach one another despite everything that's happening. Um, We understand that obviously uh, new restrictions have come out this week uh, in order to safeguard us from the spread of this virus. And um, I really just want to encourage all of us, uh, also in line with today's message, uh, to try our best to really uh, meet the government halfway and um, for all of us to make our contribution in terms of curbing the spread of this virus. Uh, we have sent condolences to one or two family um, members of our, of our church, uh, aunts and parents that, that have lost their lives and we really just want to caution everyone from any reckless kind of behavior. But good morning, and we hope that you have been doing well uh, together with your family. Uh, today, we will not be having a service, but this is our service. And I want to really encourage you, you know, the, the Lord Jesus ministered remotely many times. And uh, there were even those who would say to him, you don't have to come to my house, just speak the word only and uh, the healing will flow, the the miracle will happen. And that is still happening today. So even as we minister today, I want to encourage you to have your spirit open, have have your heart open, have your heart receptive and expectant that God is going to do something amazing in your life. I also just want to encourage all of us to join our connect groups. They are usually less than 10 people. You can do it in a fashion that uh, respects all the regulations, but don't avoid fellowshipping with believers in this time. It is critical that you don't isolate yourself in this time. Make sure that you're taking in all the content that we produce and provide for your spiritual growth and make sure that you're reaching out uh, to, to those who are spiritually watching out for you and, and growing and raising you up as well. Uh, with regards to Victory Weekend and the baptisms, we've had to postpone that, but we'll co- uh, communicate to the relevant individuals. And also, if, you, if you're interested in that, please uh, send an email to the details that you see on the screen, and we will make sure that we get the information through to you. Awesome. So we've been uh, doing a series called God and Government for the past two weeks. Today is the third week. The first week we spoke about the authority which comes from God, the sovereignty of God, the fact that Jesus has the highest throne and all authority comes from him. Last week, Pastor Philip shared a powerful message concerning order and blessing. If you haven't seen that, go back and get that message because your blessing is tied to that revelation. If you just begin to organize and order areas of your life consistent with the word of God, you will see the blessing of God just beginning to flow. Many times we're expecting God to send a special blessing from heaven as if he has not already packaged that blessing in the way that he designed life. And many times the curses of life and on our families and in our communities are only because we are violating God's order. And so it's very important that we get that. Today, we're going to be speaking about rebellion and activism. I think most anticipated by many of us, controversial matter, especially now that the government has brought out more restrictive measures. There's a lot of people that are enticed to activism and rebellion. And so we'll talk about that today. And then next week, we'll talk about 
being called into government, what are the principles and the, the foundations that we need to have in our life in order to fulfill our role in government, and that not only being the state, but government in family, government in church, and also self-government. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into the word. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is not in bonds, it's not in chains, but it's living and active. It's working right now. It's working right now to work salvation and blessing and healing and deliverance in the lives of everyone that's hearing this morning. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for your touch, Lord God. Even as your word goes out, I thank you that it will stir up our faith, that it will be a protection against the evil one, and that it will cause us to walk in ways that honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of our values as a church is the lordship of Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus is Lord above all. And that means that he is master. It's not just something that we say. It means that we actually align our lives to his lordship. And Jesus told his disciples at one time, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? And even Jesus was prone to people rebelling against his lordship, sometimes outwardly, but sometimes just in a subtle way, saying yes, yes, and amen, but behind the scenes, they're actually in rebellion to God. And many times we have people like that around us, you know. And so this morning we're talking about, all right, the context is God and government, government delegated authority by God, they're in place right now. But what happens when the government goes rogue? Is there a place where we can stand up against the government that has been instituted by God? I want to take us back to our initial scripture, Job chapter 12, verse 10. The word of God says, in his hands, in God's hands, is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. So ultimately, everyone is accountable to the most high God even the government. And so in the instances where we feel that, no, the government is out of line or the government is not fulfilling the purpose for which it is supposed to be, then we need to do something. We can't just let it be. Now, there are a couple of principles that we'll share today, about six principles that we'll share today, that if you're in a position where you're going to start taking action against the government of any kind, whether it be um, the state, whether it be in church, whether it be in family, it's important, or in the business place, it's important. If you're going to go against leadership, if you're going to go against government, these principles are paramount. Number one, Rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. This is an important principle that you must have as a foundation so that you're approaching this whole thing with caution and fear towards God. So that it's not a flippant thing that is just coming from your disgruntled emotions and you're unhappy with the status quo and therefore I'm going to do something about it because it's all about me. No. You need to realize that the word of God teaches that government is instituted for order and blessing. And when you're rebelling against that, you are rebelling against God. Now, what is the definition of rebellion? All right. A rebellion is an act of armed resistance to an established government or leader. Or it is also uh, sort of synonym of an uprising, a revolt an insurrection, a mutiny, like trying to take over leadership, um, and, and a revolution, insurgent, uh, rising up, 
rioting, civil disobedience, civil disorder, unrest, anarchy, fighting in the street, a coup, a coup d'etat. <laughs> and so all of these words paint a picture of rebellion. When it comes to teenagers, usually they say that, no, when it comes to the age of uh, their teens, they begin to rebel against their parents trying to establish their independence. And it is important for teenagers to establish their independence without rebelling and dishonoring their parents or defiance or disobedience and insubordination. And all of those are uh, very outward expressions of rebellion. And so the principle is this. If you're rebelling against authority, you must understand that you're rebelling against God. And so watch yourself. Watch yourself. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this. For by him all things were created, speaking of Jesus, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So ultimately, Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and he is the one in ultimate authority to whom even you, in your rebellion or insurrection, in your activism, will have to give an account. Because rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. Now I want to take us here to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And this is the account of David, the anointed man, a man after God's own heart, who was waiting for the previous king to be removed or deposed before he could ascend to the throne that God promised him. Right? And what happened is the, the, the spirit of the Lord left Saul. That doesn't happen today anymore. But the spirit of the Lord left Saul then. And an evil spirit possessed Saul, King Saul, and he was persecuting and chasing David around in the wilderness to kill him. And David knew that he was, the, that David was God's man. He managed to kill Goliath in front of the whole of Israel. And there was so much endorsement from everyone concerning the legitimacy of the anointing on David's life. And yet, in this account, you will see David's attitude towards God's authority and leader. And so we start here in, in 1 Samuel 24, verse 3. Uh, so this is in the wilderness. David and his men were in the cave. And Saul and his um, delegation happened to pass by in pursuit of David. And then Saul needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so this is where we're catching him. And it says, he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of that same cave. And verse 4, And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand. They were probably whispering in the back. And you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and stealthily moved to, to, to Saul and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. As Saul was busy doing his, his business, it's number two, he cut off a corner of Saul's robe quietly. Verse five, and afterward, look here, and afterward, after he did that, after he cut the robe of the king, 
It says, afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Verse 6, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. When we say the Lord's anointed, we're talking about someone who's chosen by God and they are anointed with oil in order to mark the Spirit of God coming upon them, the selection of God coming upon them, the empowerment of the Spirit for the office that they are ascending to. Verse 7, so David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. This is amazing because David had every reason to take out Saul. Saul was actually trying to kill him. The, the, the men would have said, it's, it's self-defense, David. Come on, man. The guy was attacking you. He hit you first. You were just responding in self-defense. You were trying to remove this guy. The guy is demon-possessed. How can we have a king that is demon-possessed? Come on, God anointed you to get rid of this guy. And many times our friends and our family are the ones that are stoking us up, you know. Come on, what are you going to do, Chris? Huh? Are you just going to let the, the, the leader of the company do this? Is your boss just going to talk to you like that? Huh? Is, is, is your father just going to do that? You know, is the pastor just going to... Are the elders just going to... And many people have surrounding them the voice of, of people who are saying, that saith the Spirit of the Lord, this is your opportunity. You can take the guy out now. We will help you. We are here for you. We are here <laughs> for you. So they, they will be there to stoke you up. But you need to remember principle number one. Rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. And it's amazing how David, despite his faults, look at the sensitivity of his heart. He just cut the guy's robe and his heart struck him. Eventually he goes out when, when Saul uh, moves from the bathroom and, and, and he meets him outside the cave. And he says, why are you chasing me around? Why are you trying to kill me, King Saul? May you live forever. Look, I had the opportunity to take you out and I didn't. And Saul apparently repented. Oh, sorry, David, you're an amazing guy. And so many times we, we have people in leadership that God instituted that are out of line. Maybe they started well and now they're off the ranks. And we feel we are the, 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 the captain planet. We are the, the superhero that needs to remove them. Watch yourself. If you're rebelling against God's leader, God's authority, you're rebelling against God. But we'll get to see how we, we then address these. Look here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. So this is earlier on. when This was when, when Saul basically transgressed against God and the Spirit of God um, left him. And, and what happened is uh, even Saul said that the kingdom is going to be removed from you. So it's true that God will remove people from leadership, people who are out of line. He will, and he will use people. And we'll get to that principle. We're talking now about rebellion against authority is rebelling against God. All right. So we're picking up first Samuel chapter 15 from verse 22. It says, so Samuel said, said to Saul, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Because what happened is Saul was ordered to kill everything on the battle. And then he didn't. And he brought back all these uh, animals and things. And so when Samuel came there, he said, what is this bleating of sheep in my ear? He said, no, the men just wanted to give it to the Lord. It, it's for the offering. Come on, Samuel. Come on. And so then this is what Samuel said to him. Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? 
as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Verse 23, look here. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also, he also has rejected you from being king. So definitely possible. And you see that for a couple of, uh, of chapters still, King Saul is still king, even though God has already rejected him as king. So there will be instances where God has already rejected the ruler, the leader, the government, the party who is in leadership uh, from, from being in that position. But there's a process that God takes to remove them. And it's not just you come in and you kill the guy uh, out of your own will or remove them. All right. So he says here, verse 23, very important. When you are thinking of, okay, I'm going to go against leadership. I'm going to go against government. I'm going to go against authority. You are at risk of being involved with witchcraft. (laughs) Did any of you think that just saying no to authority, rebelling against authority, is witchcraft. Some teenagers are witches. <laughs> They've been rebelling against their parents. It's witchcraft that you're involved in. Why do we say it's witchcraft? Witchcraft is the word divination. Divination is getting knowledge, inspiration, or information from an evil source. So what happens in rebellion is you, you have this idea in your mind, I know better, I can do better. There's a better way here. And where is the source of that? If it's not coming from God, then it's coming from the evil one because Satan was the first one who rebelled against God and it came from his pride. And so that's why it's seen as witchcraft because you are getting your information from an evil source and it is going against God. So what's the principle? Rebellion rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. All right. Number two, principle number two, there's such a thing as a crime of treason. (laughs) Especially when we're talking about the state. Be careful when you're conniving together with your friends at the Connect group or whatever. I hope it's not happening at Connect. (laughs) That you know we need to do something about, about this government is wrong. There is such a thing as a crime of treason in our country in Namibia and in many other countries. And this is the definition of treason, is the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill or overthrow the sovereign government or the sovereign himself, the king or whatever. And what it involves is treachery, disloyalty, betrayal, faithlessness, duplicity, infidelity, sedition, subversion, mutiny, rebellion, and there's a crime of high treason. And so the penalty... We've had a couple of cases in Namibia concerning treason, and some of the penalties were around the region of 20 years in prison. Terrible thing, right? And it's not to say that the government should not be removed from power, but the question is how and who does that? You can't just decide that we're going to take over the government, have a coup d'etat. You can't just do that. It's called treason. It's a crime, right? And it's a crime... Indeed, correctly, because the government of God is delegated to the state and the state ought to fulfill its function under that, the auspices of doing what's right. 
But then there are instances where the government goes out of line and there are righteous men and women that want to do something about it. I'm just giving a good warning to say, be careful that you're not committing treason. And you know, it's interesting that treason was the, the crime of Satan and the crime of Adam when he disobeyed God, when God said, you shall eat of everything, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit you shall not eat. In that day you will die. And in many nations for a long time, the crime of treason was punishable by death. And so we're, when we're talking about treason, it is really important that we have a high regard and a high respect for government. As much as they're just normal people and all of that, have a high regard and a high respect for authority. Authority figures, they hold an accountability towards God. They carry words of blessing and curses in their authority seat. And so it's important that we have a, a, a caution when we're approaching them. And I'm not just talking about the state government. I'm talking about um, your, your, your father, your parents, your mother and your father. I'm talking about in family. I'm talking about in business, in many avenues. Be careful that you are not in a position of rebellion and treason against authority. Look here at Romans chapter t uh, 13, verse 1, um, verse 1 through to to four, it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Verse 4, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And so... It says that whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Yes, but what if the government is not doing these things like, okay, they're supposed to uh, uh, commend those who do right and, and, and punish those who do wrong, but now what if it switches around? Those who are righteous, they persecute, and those who do wrong and are corrupt are promoted. What then? Hmm? Should we just continue voting? Yes, we vote, and you, we just agree? Huh? Is that what God wants? All right, so let's, let's go to the third principle. So the second principle is there's a crime of treason. So be careful of that. And then number three, God can remove authority. Daniel chapter 2 verse 20. It says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. So it's within God's prerogative. If he is in authority, he can remove you today. Today. And those who are in government positions, especially in the state, be careful. You can be removed today. Whether through death or through demotion, you can be removed today. It has happened before many times. Don't let your heart be so haughty and proud that you think that you are untouchable by the hand of heaven. You need to have a great regard and respect for God. So God can remove and set up those who are in leadership. 
1 Samuel 15, verse 23, we just read uh, where Samuel was telling Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. You can get to a place where God rejects you from being the leader. And then it's just a matter of time before things begin to crumble in your life. You best be stepping out on your own. If you've been rejected by God, just resign. Just step out completely. Now, in the instance of family, you can't. The husband is the husband. The father is the father. What do you do then? Repent. Repent. Stop your malicious fathering and your malicious being a husband, leader of your family, and become a godly, righteous person, leader in your home and in your family. Same in your institution. If you're a leader in the church, especially be careful. All right, so that's principle number three. God can and does remove authority. Number four, God uses people to remove people from authority. All right, God uses people to remove authority or or sovereigns or kings. All right, so we're looking here at Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field and the horses and the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. So what God would do is he will not necessarily just raise up some kind of hero that will go to state house and start uh, shooting around. No, he will raise up someone who is operating under prophetic unction, and that can be anyone, right, who is speaking for God. And he's saying, uh, Mr. Leader, you must stop this. Mr. Leader, that said the Lord, your time is numbered. Your days are numbered. And so that's what God does, because before he brings out judgment, he will always bring warning. It's amazing. This is an amazing principle for your own personal life. Family, if God is warning you, <laughs> the next thing that's coming are the consequences, are the, 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 the results of your defiance and your pride and your iniquity. So when God is warning you, he's sending you the first branch of peace and mercy. It's the same way that he did with uh, Jonah going to Assyria, capital city Nineveh. He, he, he didn't want to because he knew if God warns the people and they repent, then God will have mercy. He, he didn't want to because the Assyrians were the ones who were coming into Israel, raping, pillaging, destroying them. Why should I go to my enemy and go and preach mercy to them? No. One way ticket, Damascus. I'm not going in the other way. Damascus. And then when they were on the ship and the storm was coming, He said, it's me, guys, it's me. The Lord is against me because I'm not wanting to go and preach a warning to those people. Just kill me, throw me over, but I'm not going over my dead body. And then he's in the belly of the fish. He repents in three days, also portraying an image of Christ in in the womb of the earth for three days. And then he spat out and he preaches to them about the mercy of God and the whole city Repent. So God always gives warnings. And I believe that more and more, as we come into the days of the return of Jesus Christ, more and more people of God are going to be stirred with this unction of warnings. 
The Apostle Paul said it this way, knowing the terror of the Lord, we, we warn men, we persuade men. It is very loving to put a big sign outside of the gate of your house, a big one, like one meter by one meter of your rod violence face and say, beware. Rather than leaving the gate without any warning and a brother come inside just to meet the wrath of God. It is very, very unloving of that friend to not warn them that there's a dog inside. And so it is not evil, it is not wrong, it is not harsh to warn people. It is kind and loving and considerate to warn people. And I encourage us, God is going to stir us up to warn people. Warn them in an honorable way. Warn them in a way that, that, that recognizes their value and their position. But give them fair warning. The, apost- the, 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 the book of Ezekiel, God says, you are watchmen. I put you as a watchman. If you warn them, their blood will be on their own hand. But if you do not warn them, yeah, if you don't warn them, and I, I told you to warn them, then their blood will be on your hands. And so same for you, your friends, your families, you know the truth. You haven't told them, you haven't given them fair warning. Please tell them that something's coming. It's so important, so loving, it's so kind. And we've got this whole thing in our culture where it's like, no, you can't warn people. Um, otherwise, what they'll, they'll say, I'm, I'm a bigot or I'm, I'm this or that. No, maybe your tone is wrong. Change your tone. But if, if a man, a blind man is walking towards a cliff, what kind of loving person would let them walk by? Because I don't want to hurt their feelings. What? You want to hurt their life. It's important. At least say something. Say, hey, there's a cliff over there ahead. Let's be careful. Hey, what do you know? And sometimes, depending on how related you are to the blind man, <laughs> you will leave your seat and block them, tackle them, and do whatever. If they're a stranger, will be like, okay, I want you. I want you. <laughs> Enjoy. But if they're your child, you will tackle them and you will block them. You will not allow. And, and this is what the preacher, Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon said. If anyone goes to hell, let them get there over our bodies, strapping them, lying the streets as they are on their way to hell. Let us be the barrier that keeps people from destroying their lives and their families and our nations. Even in this time, we are giving warnings, right? The minister of of justice, be warned. The the, the president, the cabinet, the the judiciary, all all those people, the, the, the parliament, be warned. Of course, you have your discretion, your independence, you have a mandate to fulfill, but don't think that you will not give account to God. Same with husbands. Sometimes you are so passionate about how, yeah, the government, God, they will answer to God. What about you? What about you, Mr. Husband? You, the way that you are running your family, the way that you lead and serve in the home, the way that you are stewarding the family that God has blessed you with. You will also answer. You will also answer. Even employers. Everyone in authority recognize that there is an accountability Coming. All right, so that's principle number four. God uses people to remove others from authority by giving them a chance to be the messenger of warning before the judgment hits. All right, then principle number five, repent to God 
before bringing repentance to authorities. Now, this is for those activists, the unionists, those who are now, yeah, we are the ones who are chosen by God to warn them and to do more, if necessary, take up arms, whatever it is. Very important that you have this understanding that many people are disgruntled about everything that's going on around in the world, but they are not as disgruntled about everything that's happening in their own heart. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 7 from verse 1. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So now you're, you're making judgments and saying, yeah, they're out of line and all of that. Okay. All right. Make sure that you're able to maintain that standard also. When it's your turn to be leader, when it's your time to be a father, you were the son. You would define your father all the time, your mother all the time. When it's your turn to be a father, to be a mother, okay, then we will see what it's like. Because the same measure you use will be measured unto you. Unto you. So now you're the, the, the superhero who is going to now go and, and bring justice and, and revolution. <laughs> you are the Che Guevara of your, your, your friendships. Okay, great. All right, look at verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So you want to reform the government? Yes. You want to bring revolution to the country? Yes. You think that the poor are suffering and there's injustice and all of that. But what are you doing with what you have right now? If you are doing nothing, maybe sit down. Maybe learn, maybe sort out your own life. Go home and cut your grass. Go home if you don't have grass and make your bed. If you don't have bed, get a job. Learn to manage something yourself first before you've got all the advice for the whole world. It's fine that we wanna save the environment, but let's first save your own health by the way maybe that you, that you live your life and the, the order that you have in your eating and all of that. Hmm? So important. Many times it's so easy to point a finger. The bigger the institution, because you, you can't miss them, you know, others, they run around and hide, but the institution is big. You just point at them and say, yeah, you guys are wrong. You are wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. And while you're pointing a finger, your eyes are blind with the specks and the, and the sores and the, and the, 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 the bulks of, of wood that are coming out. You can't hardly see straight. And what's one of the key issues? You are rebelling against God. You're rebelling against God. And if God has already inspired you to say, no, you are my messenger, to go on to say to these people, this is wrong, they need to repent, it needs to change, and to stir up the people and protest and all of that, then make sure your life is sorted out. Make sure of it. This is why it gives you the foundation and the moral authority to be able to say to that person, my brother, you are corrupt. Because how crazy is it? You tell that, the, that person that they are corrupt, but you are still in your own money on the side. Many times this is what happens in opposition parties. 
On the one side, the, the accusing ruling party, right, in whichever country, but on this side, they already stained with their own hands. They're coming to court with dirty hands, right? And so in the court of justice, it is important that you come with clean hands and say, there's nothing that they can hold against me. And that's why Jesus is the ultimate judge. And so if God is inspiring you into a place where you're going to be an activist, where you're going to take action against the government, principle number five, repent to God before bringing repentance to authorities. Sort out your own heart before God. You're going to become an evangelist, a fiery evangelist. Preach to sinners that they must repent. Sort out your own issues first. You will come with great mercy when you realize that, yeah, you also are a man of unclean lips. Amen? Principle number six. No, before we get to principle number, number six, number five, you look at examples of, of people who God has used to bring change uh, in the scriptures in terms of uh, authorities and governments and, and removing people. Uh, and one of them was Moses. We already read how he defied Pharaoh in order to bring the people of God. It was by God's calling. Elijah, who spoke against King Ahab, whose wife Jezebel, pulled the whole of Israel into idol worship with Baal. And so then he calls the nation to Mount Carmel and demonstrates, demonstrates the power of God in the fire that came down on the sacrifice. And then he slaughters 400 priests of Baal. And then there's Jesus, obviously, who defied, obviously, the, the, the religious leaders of his time. Then there's the Apostle Paul, who was beaten so many times for defying the laws and the rules that restricted the preaching of the gospel. But he was called and inspired by God. Clean hearts, pure hearts, clean hands. And I'm reminded of Martin Luther, the great reformer, that wrote his, his, his 99 thesis and hammered it to the Catholic Church during the time when the Catholic Church was so corrupt. And he, he came up with his uh, scripture only, faith only, grace only. Um, and, and, and it started the, 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 the reformation and the enlightenment that brought out so much scientific discovery and, and all the, 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 the arts and culture that we see in Western, in Western culture. And uh, he, he had to defy an institution and a government which at the time was the picture of God's face. <laughs> but he knew that he was being inspired by God and he brought a change that saved many lives. Another Martin is Martin, Martin Luther King in the 60s during the time of the civil rights movement in the United States, also a minister of the gospel, also a preacher. Uh, there's some information that came out recently that asked questions about the guy's lifestyle in the background. But still, here is someone that God raised up that was a voice. He is the one that made that speech. I have a dream that one day uh, little black boys and little black girls will be playing together. And little, you know, that a man will not be judged by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. Also, very prophetic, very confirming truly. Uh, uh, principles and, and truths that, that were hidden, that were causing oppression and bringing them out. And their idea was never violence, but always with great, um, great resolve and courage to speak the truth. And it brought great change. Another one is Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer. I think I'm, I'm saying that right. But he was a preacher during the time of the Nazi 
Nazi government, and he was speaking against them. Obviously lost his life in the process. And that's another thing. You must be willing. When you get to a place where you repent to God and you're bringing repentance to authorities, you are willing to spend yourself. You are willing to die for the cause. You're willing to lay down your life, not for selfish gain, but for the, the, the glory of God and for the, the purpose of blessing people. All right, so principle number five, sort out your, your, your own life before you try and sort out everyone else. I know that we're not going to be perfect because just now the government's like, hey, you're not perfect enough to be here. Get out. But, you know, what I'm saying is this. Make sure that you, your things are right with God so that you can be God's messenger as you go out speaking to kings. Then principle number six, lastly, do something but do it for God, right? Because on the other side of rebellion are the cowards. They just do nothing. They just take it and they just go with the flow and, and evil is happening and they just do nothing. And there's this famous quote that says, the only thing that is necessary for evil to prosper is for uh, good men to do nothing. And so this is my encouragement. Acts chapter 4, verse 18 this is the apostles that were preaching the gospel and then the, the religious leaders called them and it says, so they called them and charged them. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they are further threatened them. They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. They had committed a miracle or they, they healed a man who was uh, paralyzed. And so this is truly the question. You are supposed to do what is right in God's eyes. If the government comes out and says, no, you will now not be able to preach the gospel anymore. We cannot follow that. And we are not trying to defy the government, we are trying to obey God. And so in the instances where things are going wrong, people of God, we are called to do something. We are called to rise up and do something. And that something might differ depending on which generation we might be living in, whatever God has called us to. But nothing is not an option. We can't be passive and do nothing, right? The Word of God is very clear that if you see evil being done and you do nothing, you are actually promoting that evil. And it's so important that you and I must be able to live with a clear conscience that we have done everything in order to fulfill God's will in our nation. And that first do something starts with prayer. If you're not praying for the government, as the word of God commanded us, as we spoke in the first week, if you're not praying for the government, you have nothing to say. It's very important. Start praying for the government. As you're praying for the government, God will give you ideas and initiatives and you begin to take action. But let's not be part of those who are involved with witchcraft, rebellious in their hearts, trying to commit divination. Not in the home, not in, in school, not in, in, in the business place, not in the state. No. 
Let's not be witches and wizards. Choo! <laughs> the next time you see your friend rebelling, just look at them with that look that you give a witch, you know. I don't know what that look is, but <laughs> give them that look so that you can encourage them. Those witch tendencies need to stop. Amen. And we must understand that God in Namibia, let me say this, Namibia is a blessed nation. We don't have the best government, but I don't think we have the worst government either. Let's continue praying for the state. Let's continue praying for the government. Pray for your business. Pray for the place where you're employed. Pray for your parents. Pray for your husband. Everyone, kings in leadership, let holy hands be lifted up. Let's pray and pray and pray. And when we begin to pray, God will begin to inspire us to the action that we ought to take. Amen. So running through as a recap, the first principle, rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. Number two, there is a crime of treason. Number three, God can remove authorities and kings and governments. Number four, God uses people to remove authorities, kings and governments. Number five, repent to God before bringing repentance to authorities. Check your own life before checking others. And number six, do something, but do it for God. Amen. So uh, I feel like someone is watching and you're quite the kind of person that's very, you know, militant and passionate about doing things um, to make things right against authority and all of that. And I really want to encourage you and say that God is saying that that is coming from Him, but He wants you to check your own heart. Make sure that you're not moving out of pride, out of lust, out of greed, but that you're moving out of compassion and out of love. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for all of us, wherever we are, Father, you see our hearts. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you stir us up this morning towards a repentance towards you and actions that are full of the grace and the wisdom of God. I pray for different people who are in leadership, Lord, who have been defied and who have had people rebel against them. I pray, Lord, that they'll forgive, that they'll be kind. They'll be like David who said, maybe it's my time to go. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there will not be any resentment in our hearts because of that. I pray also for those who have rebelled in the past. I ask, Lord, that they'll repent. There's some of you watching, you're reminded as I'm preaching that I've rebelled. I need to make right. Some of you need to call your parents and say, sorry, I, I really was foolish in that instance. I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive me. Or you need to speak to a leader somewhere and say, hey, I just want to make right. I just want to clear this and say, I'm sorry for rebelling against you and rebelling against God. And so, Father, I pray for that grace so that the freedom that you have for us may be released as we take action to our faith. I pray a blessing over those who are getting, giving their hearts to the Lord this morning. Lord. If you are out there, you're not born again this morning, receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Receive him as the one who died on the cross for you and after three days was raised from the dead and is alive today. He can be Lord and Savior of your life. Not only Savior, but Lord and Master. And only your Lord and Master is coming to, to, to bring salvation to you. So Father, I pray your blessing over our church. I pray your divine protection even during this COVID time. I pray that your word will be a shield in our mouths, Lord. Speaking, speaking your word, Lord, of healing and, and, and life and health, Lord. 
I thank you for peace and I thank you, Lord. We pray for the government. We pray for wisdom and, and, and just your guidance, Lord, so that they can be the government that you've called them to be in Jesus' name. We pray for the president, Lord. We pray a blessing over the president, his cabinet, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus, Father, let your Holy Spirit work in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we'll see you next week and uh, continue to stay in touch with us. Please subscribe. Uh, click the subscribe button. Click the like. Click the, the notification button so that you don't miss any of the information that we have for you. But in the meantime, stay safe and take care of your family. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.